0: I hope you're in Psalm 100. It is a wonderful opportunity. As we've been plodding through the Psalms, we've been looking at the gospel of the Psalms. And believe it or not, what we see here today in Psalm 100 is an avenue of the gospel. And so uh, we're going to continue to look at it. And in fact, Psalm 100, a small psalm, we're going to take at least three Sundays in this psalm. To answer this question, and that is, what do you bring to church? And, uh, and some of you can answer this in many, many different ways. We have been watching how back, if we go back a few, uh, uh, back another month or so, we saw that how that we're supposed to deal with our sin, that God should be the one we run to with our sin. He is there with open arms. He alone can deal with our sin. And we should want him to deal with our sin. It's a great opportunity to be forgiven by such a loving and kind God, a righteous God. And the sad thing is, a lot of times we think uh, we can cover up our sin by doing good things. We see righteousness as something or living right or being right or being good as something to do, that we need to do that. But it starts with the one who is righteous. And then we looked at last week the importance of God's righteousness and the importance of gazing upon God because it's His righteousness that we reflect in our life. And who do we reflect? We either reflect God's righteousness or we reflect the restlessness of the world. And we don't want to reflect the restless ones of the world. We don't want to be restless. We don't want to ha- be driven and tossed back and forth by the world. And this morning, I want to ask that question. What do you bring to church? And I, you know, everybody's like, we, you, know, and you can bring a lot of different things. We bring our Bibles, right? Hopefully because we're going to talk about God or we're going to read God's Word. And in Psalm 100, you know, we read that this morning. Now we're going to, we heard God's Word. We sang a lot of the songs we sang were from God's Word. Uh, We prayed over God's Word. We prayed some of God's Word. And we're going to talk about God's Word. What do we bring to church? What you don't realize is many times, it starts when you wake up. It depends on what you're going to bring to church, right? It depends on the laundry that was done. It depends on how well your kids behave. It depends on what mom makes for breakfast or doesn't make for breakfast. It it depends on the donuts that she gave this morning, right? Uh, It depends on how well someone drives or doesn't drive either... You in the driver's seat or somebody in front of you that isn't driving so well, maybe. That cuts you off. What you bring to church can depend on a lot of different things, a lot of different circumstances. We bring, if we admit it or not, a lot of times it goes further back in the week on what's going on in your life. It's amazing what I've seen during messages I've seen people reading books. I even had during communion I had somebody playing video games during church. Uh, I refused to do communion until they looked at me and then they realized I was talking to them. I was like right in the middle of communion I said, yeah, we are we will continue and we'll pray for communion in a second when person in the back row, on the right, when their head looks up at me, when I can tell that they're, I can see the glow of the video game off of their face, off of the glasses, and I just kept talking, and they just were totally sucked in. And so we bring a lot of different things to church. Along with that are a lot of expectations we have at church. And it's, it's funny, we've been talking about God and his righteousness. We've been talking about this world. We've been talking about our sin, how to get right with God, how God wants to get right with you. We've been talking about all these things. But let's stop and think about it. What are, what are we doing at church? Why do we come to church? And it really begins with, what are you going to bring to church? This morning, we're going to talk about just verses 1 and 2, and that is to bring the right attitude. It starts with the right attitude. If you're taking notes, you're going to basically have uh, your fill-ins will be three S's, all right? They're going to be a shouting attitude, a serving attitude, and a singing attitude. And all of those things that we're going to talk about in a second have to do with developing a right attitude to bring the right things to church, right? I don't know about you, but if you go to a job and you don't have the right tools for that job, you will have a very long day, right? How many have ever tried to hammer a nail in without a hammer, right? If you work at Perry Pallet, you might find creative ways when the, the, the nail guns stop working or, you know, when the saw stops working or when you go. When I was working on a construction site, anything that could go wrong usually went wrong and you found creative ways to get things done. But you are severely hampered if you don't have the right tools. We are severely hampered when we don't bring the right things to church. Our relationship with God is severely hampered. So we want to answer this question about this psalm this morning and see the answers that God has given us about what we bring to church. So will you pray with me as we read the first two verses again? And ask God to teach us from his word. Lord, I love that song. Yet not I, but you. It's all about you. It's Christ in me. I pray this morning that this morning would not be about me, but it would be about your very word. Your word that breathes life into us. Your truth that has come to us through Christ. Lord, it's about your Holy Spirit that gives us understanding about your word. Thank you that you are truth and that we can trust you, that you are the rock that we can cry out to in the midst of struggle and turmoil. And Lord, I pray that as we seek to find refuge in you, our God, that you would give us the understanding to know how to continue to live based on your truth, to understand why we come to church or what do we even bring to church and why is that important? Lord, may you direct our spirit this morning, our understanding, our love. May it grow more and more in your knowledge and in your truth. And may it give us encouragement to live in the day in which we find ourselves during these troubled times. So, Lord, we praise you for your holiness. We praise you because you are right. You are just. You are a rock. You are a fortress. You are the help we need. So, Lord, we thank you for these words of truth this morning. Guide us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What do we bring to church? It starts out says, make a joyful noise. Joy is a good thing, right? Joy and noise together is a good thing. Believe it or not, this is not talking about singing. This psalm is a psalm about knowing God. It's a psalm about worshiping God. And it's about how we know God so we can worship God. Psalms are great to read as it says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. God's desire is that the whole earth would worship God says in verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Right in these very first two verses, we already have three commands. The three commands as we come into God's presence. Hence, what do we bring to church? What do we bring when we're planning to focus on God? The Psalms can be called the, the, the hymnal of, of Jesus, the hymns of Jesus. It can be, be called the hymns of the church. It was actually the great hymnal that the synagogues and, and through all the Old Testament and the early church used. The Psalms were what they sang. It's what they read. It's what they talked about. It's the, if we want to understand how did Jesus, what did Jesus sing? Go to the Psalms. That's what he would have sung growing up. Psalm 100 is a psalm that describes what worship was like in the day of the Lord. What was true then is still true today. Psalms are an amazing read. I don't know about you but when I struggle because I struggle with going to sleep at night. So I love to read the Psalms. They are they're so wonderful. They are wonderful for our soul in the midst of trouble. In fact, reading the psalm is especially good before, during, or even after watching the news. I'd recommend reading the psalms. (laughs) Reorient your thinking and your heart. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. Go to the psalms and let them wash over you. What's so amazing about Psalm 100 is... It's a very well-known psalm. In fact, in many parts of the world and e- even in America, this is the second most uh, understood, or not understood, but it's the second most quoted psalm behind Psalm 23. It's a theocentric psalm. It's all about God. It all—it has everything to do with him. It's why it's so important for us as we look at coming to church. In fact, we know that God tells us that we uh, should come together regularly. It's important as we come together regularly that we have the right attitude about coming together regularly. If we want to know what do you bring to church, we have to start with the right attitude. And it starts with the shouting attitude that's found in verse 1. Make a joyful noise. You know what's funny about that phrase, make a joyful noise? Three important words, make, joyful, and noise. By the way, the word make isn't just making something or fashioning something together. It comes from a Hebrew word that talks about making some form of music. They use that, this term. And then joyful is the idea of a public confession. Not just having joy, but a joyful noise. The Hebrew word means making a loud public confession. Okay? So we have a music together with a loud public confession. And the word noise, which means... A rise, a shout, or a ring, or a cry that is loud, right? Literally in Hebrew it means a noise that pierces the eardrum, right? So when you put it all together, the psalmist is calling on the people of the Lord to raise an anthem of praise from their hearts to the Lord, Publicly proclaiming their joyful confidence in God. That's a shouting attitude. By the way, did you notice? In all the earth. In all the earth, we're supposed... To, is in all the earth... Does it, is that in church? Is all the earth in church? No, that would be quite debilitating if it was... <laughs> but no, so do you understand this is an evangelistic command. We're supposed to when we put it all together, we are supposed to shout who God is before all the earth. How do we bring a right attitude to church by shouting aloud who God is? By the way, did you know that this This combination of words is based on, and it comes from the idea of announcing the arrival of a king. When we proclaim the gospel, who are we announcing the arrival of? Our Savior. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. If you look at Luke 19 verses 28 through 39, we know... This section of Luke, we know it as at the beginning of the Passion Week. What was going on? The disciples come. They find the donkey tethered where Jesus said it would be tethered. Imagine that. Jesus always seems to get everything right. Right? He always seems to know everything. Yeah. That's because he's God. And he comes. He finds the donkey. He goes through and the people in Jerusalem, they begin to shout at Him. Do they curse Him? At the beginning of the Passion Week, they're proclaiming Him as the the Messiah, the King. They're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! And they're doing this exactly. As He comes into Jerusalem, they're shouting, The King has come! The Messiah is here. They're letting everybody know who Jesus is. It's to announce the arrival of the king. It's amazing. Do you understand? That's what the gospel is. It's proclaiming. It's shouting the good news. By the way, when in the New Testament, it says that Jesus, when he returns, it'll, he'll come with a what? A great shout. Like the blast of a... A trumpet, by the way, uh, in the Septuagint, it's the same word that we see here in joyful noise. It's a shout. It's the same concept. God will, when he comes back, he will announce himself that the king has come. And everyone will hear it. They'll know it. He will come. With a great shout, like the shout of a trumpet. There's nothing that gets our attitudes right than proclaiming and shouting who God is. Right? What do we need to bring to church? It starts with the right attitude, and that right attitude here, it says, it was commanded to... Shout that the king is coming. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. The second one is a serving attitude. By the way, you see this, as we come to church, we have the shout, and now we have the serving. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. By the way, you know the Hebrew word here for serve is the same word for worship word serve means to be in bondage to. It refers doing whatever the master tells the slave to do. It refers to this, to be at the master's beck and call. It literally is explaining what worship is. True worship is service and service always leads to true worship. What do we bring to church? It is the right attitude. It starts with shouting that the king is coming. It begins with how do we get our attitudes right and have a right attitude? It starts with a serving attitude. What's interesting is we still haven't come together at this point. Worship, yes, we worship at church because we read scripture, we pray, we sing, and all that kind of stuff. But do you realize that worship begins before church. It's what you bring. It's an attitude that you bring to church. You remember what Joshua said at the very end of the book of Joshua? I can't remember if it's 24, 25, but he he looked at Israel and he said, choose whom you will serve this day. Same word that were commanded here in verse 2. Serve the Lord. Worship the Lord. Choose you in this day who you will worship. Who you serve will be who you worship. What you worship will be identified by who you serve. You know, it's interesting as Romans 12, 1 through 3 gives the same concept is he says, by the mercy of God, present yourself a living sacrifice, right? And he says, Don't be conformed to the world and all those things of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And all of this stuff, this giving of yourself as a living sacrifice, is an is an act of service. Or some translators say worship. Why? Because it's the same word they translate the same word in the Greek that is in here In the Hebrew, to serve the Lord with gladness. By the way, gladness. Do you know what gladness means? Some of you have that look of gladness on your face right now. Some have bewilderment. Some have, I'm tired. (laughs) And it's okay. You can be glad and tired. You can be glad and hurting. Because our gladness is not defined... By our circumstances. Praise the Lord. It's defined by who we serve. This is the theocracy. Verse 3, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. By the way, that's the hinge between how we're supposed to praise God and how we are supposed to be thankful for God is what we know about God. Right here, our serving God and our being glad is, de- is defined by God. Gladness means, it means laughter. It's that, that glint in your eye that is accompanied many times with laughter. It's a wide-eyed with a big grin. It's like looking at you and saying, you're a sinner. But God died for your sins. And he became your peace between God's wrath and his wrath on all sin. He paid for your sin. He stepped in between you and God to be your go-between. And I, and you realize, that wow, look at all that God did. I see that glint in your eye like, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a part of God's family. I'm not part of this world. I don't have to worry about what this world has to offer because God offered me everything through Christ. That's gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's that wide-eyed, it lights up your face when you realize what God is doing for you. When you serve the Lord, you worship the Lord, and when you worship the Lord, gladness overtakes the sadness of the world. You still are sad but you're glad. We're supposed to serve the Lord. We're designed to serve the Lord. Service determines gladness, not our circumstances and our emotions. Paul said I learn whatever state I am to be content because his one pursuit in life is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're supposed to shout who God is, and we ha- have a shouting attitude, we're supposed to have a serving attitude, and then the, the third thing is, he says, come into his presence with singing. You know, when we're shouting about who God is, and we realize who God is, and we're shouting who God is, that the King is here, the Savior is here, and when we're doing that, it's easier to serve the Lord, and when we serve the Lord, and we're worshiping the Lord, guess what the natural outcome is? To sing. To sing. We're supposed to approach the Lord. So now we're at church and the natural outcome of a right attitude before God is to sing. But do you notice here that everything that leads to singing does not have to do with likes or dislikes it all has to do with God I know there was a there was one time somebody approached me one time they're like they're like pastor I know the song that we were singing was so wrong theologically it was, it, it was so wrong, and it, it wasn't a song we were singing here, and uh, I was at another, another place, and they said, Pastor, but you were just singing. What were you singing? And I said, I was just singing to God. And I said, the, the bad theology will work out later. <laughs> They're like, well, doesn't it, doesn't it make you mad that what they were singing was not right? And I said, well, I wasn't really thinking about what they were singing. I was thinking about God. I didn't have an, I wasn't, my attitude wasn't one of correcting people. My attitude was one of praise. I was thinking about how great God was. Now, after I went home, I, I thought and I was thinking, wow, what, what were they singing? Why were they singing that? And, I'll have to ask that question. You know, why would they sing that? Because it contradicts who God is. Right? And I thought about it later. And I was thinking about it from a position of praise. I was praising who God is. I wasn't, now I'm not critical anymore. I'm not thinking about what I like or dislike, but I'm thinking about who God is. you notice here that everything is listed here as command it has nothing to do with what we like or dislike but it all has to do with God by the way singing is evident not of whether or not we're gifted at singing it has to do with whether or not we are connected to the Lord in spiritual relationship. The more spiritual our relationship, the more you're going to be driven to sing. And, pray, and praise the Lord for good, you know, song leaders who can sing louder than me because I sing off key. <laughs> But my volume is not whether or not I think people like my singing. You can ask my wife. (laughs) A lot of times my volume depends on how loud she sings. Because if I can't hear myself, I tend to sing louder. But uh, many times when I'm singing, it just has solely to do on coming to the Lord. It doesn't have anything to do whether I like my sound. That's why, by the way, when we all come together and we worship God together, it drowns out some of us who are challenged with our ears. I don't hear the notes the same way that my wife hears the notes. But praise the Lord for my wife's voice because it drowns out mine. (laughs) I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about whether I'm on key, off key. I'm not worried about whether... I like the song or dislike the song. I'm not worried about whether I like the music or don't like the music. Or I, I'm not looking at anything but coming into the presence of God. Ephesians 4, 5, verses 15 through 19, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise or unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be spiritual. Be led by the Spirit. We can't be led by the Spirit if our eyes are on every earthly thing. So God says, when you come, make a shout. When you come, serve me. When you come... If you're doing those things, sing! We, says, come into his presence with singing. The first two verses tell us that when God is in control of our life, when he is the desire of our life, when he is the ref- we are reflecting God in our lives, you will not be able to hide him you see how vocal every one of these is? We won't hide him. We won't be able to keep that secret very long that we love him. People are always like, are you a pastor? I'm like, why do you ask? Well, you just talked about God like four times. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, you can't hide if you love God and you're serving God and you can't help but shout about God. Your life will shout about it. It'll be just natural. And then you'll begin to sing his praises. All of this sounds kind of like a testimony, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? What do you bring to a church? The right attitude. That it's all about the Lord. You will not be able to hide God if you fall through what he is commanded. By the way, these are not optional. It doesn't say, by the way, if you like this, do this. It says, do it. It's an imperative command. You can't have someone the size of God in your heart without him oozing out, right? If you realize how big God is, he will create so much pressure in your heart, in your life, And in your soul that he will ooze out. Right? If you nick, right, if you nick parts of your hand, it just is red, right? But if you nick that vein right there by your finger, your thumb, what happens? (laughs) Man, I'll never forget that. I saw my buddy hit that with a knife and he pulled it he's like oh was, he went like that it was the craziest thing I've ever seen it, our blood is under a lot of pressure and that's why high blood pressure is a bad thing it it can but see the bigger that God gets the more you can't hide it he will ooze out of your You can't hide him. If you are struggling, maybe you're trying to hide God in your life. Maybe you're hiding him with sin, bad choices. Maybe you're hiding because you're afraid that he's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. Stand before people and talk about (laughs) him. I hate standing in front of people, by the way. Unless I'm talking about God. That's the only time it's comfortable for me. You can ask Anissa. I was asked to lead games at Camp Gilead one time. You'd think that I was about ready to die. I almost wanted to hyperventilate. I was like, what? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do that? Why do you want me to do that? I started asking all these questions. I was like, and how do, how do I do that? And I was sitting there, I was like, uh. You know, my default mode is I just do stupid things. I say stupid things, I act stupid. I it's like, if I just do that, get it out of the way, that maybe they won't recognize that I don't want to be there. <laughs> I have a hard time being in front of people. Unless I'm allowed to talk about God's Word, and He uses out. It's His goodness. It's His love. I can't help but want to help people. I can't help but want to talk about God. It's easier. Because it's... My comfortability is not with everybody out here. It's with the Lord. If you're not comfortable with singing, maybe you're struggling with something with God. I guarantee nobody's really, if they don't listen to me, then they're not really listening to you (laughs) because my singing is not that great. great. But you know what's funny is, is the more you enjoy just telling God how good he is, usually you get better at the singing thing. It's funny how that works. I don't really worry about it anymore. What do you bring to church? It starts with the right attitude. The right attitude, all of this, is it points back to God. Are you shouting with God? Or are you serving God? Because how you serve God will determine the gladness in your life. And also if you're serving God and you're worshiping God, it determines... How much of your life is really singing about God? So as a close, just have you think about that. Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Biggest problems with churches today is really it's not... just the lack of God, it's the lack of love towards God and the more focus on people. Who do you love? Because who do you love will determine the attitude you have towards God, which will determine the attitude you have towards people. If you're struggling with knowing what to bring to church. Start here. Start here. Next week, we'll look at what do we do once we're in the building? Because all this was before you come. Now that you're coming, we're singing, but where are we singing? We'll get to that next week. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. I thank you that we don't have to dissect all of this in one bite this morning, that we can continue to sing your praises, that we can that we can continue to lift up your name. And I pray that we would realize that this attitude that you desire us to have, it starts with what we do throughout the week. May you help us to think about these things. May we put these commands into practice and ask that question. Am I doing these things that Psalm 100, that you, Lord, tell us to do. That you you put it into Psalm to remind us to do it. That we could sing and shout to serve, to know you more. Sing your truth. So, Lord, even now as we sing, we could say, Lord, I'm not doing any of these things in my life. And that we would simply that if we aren't doing these things in our life, that we would be honest before you and say, well, Lord, maybe I haven't given you my life. I haven't responded to the good news that Jesus died for my sins, that he took my place. I I don't even have a relationship with God that's based on what Christ did for me. Jesus tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We need to respond to that. Lord, you tell us that if we repent and believe, that we put our faith and trust in you, that we lay our life before you, that you will respond, that you will save us from our sins, that Jesus becomes our go-between, that the Holy Spirit comes in and gives us life that no longer is not about what I can do in life, but it's about what Jesus has done for me. And all the good things in life are no longer about me having to be good, but it is about our Father who is in heaven, who is good. Lord, you are good. And now your goodness lives in us and now can live through us. And we can behold this image of our good Father. Thank you. Lord, I pray for the rest of us that have already put their faith and trust in you who are saved, that have been saved by you, that, Lord, that you will empower us to continue to make church about you. So that way we won't hide you to the community in which we live. More and more people will come and just sing your praises and just love you. Lord, we want to be together praising you, loving you, Helping others love you, know you, see you, and blessed by you. Thank you for the grace that we have been given. We don't deserve it. None of us are perfect. Lord, we are so blessed that you gave us your perfect life for our imperfect life. That we might have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ, with our Father who is in heaven. Thank you for redeeming this rebellious sinner. Lord, we love you. Help us to love you more. In Jesus' name.